Hello and welcome to Nerd Punches Nerd, the only podcast where a bunch of nerds pretend to physically fight over minor pop culture minutia. I'm Jeremy, here with Benji and Sam. Hello. Hello. Happy Monday, guys. Happy Monday. Happy Monday. Happy Monday. And this week, we're going to change things up a little bit, talk about some of the news of the day. <laughs> That's right. A little bit of happy news, a little bit of sad news, a little bit of disappointing news, a little bit of furious news, etc. So, before we get started, in honor of one of this week's topics... If there was a single actor from the Lord of the Rings movies that suddenly came out with a really terrible and controversial opinion that you really disagreed with, which person would you be the most disappointed by? So these are act. Go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, or if you really wanted to, I guess you could pick a character. Yeah, I was going to say. It doesn't matter to me. I feel like it could work either way. If it's right. if it's going to be a character, I already know what Benji's going to say. <laughs> All right. Next we'll case, see if I'm right. Benj, what do you think? Were you going to say Gandalf, Sam? No, I was going to say Treebeard. Oh, Treebeard. Oh. Well, what's oh. his what's his stance that you're so disappointed by? No, I'm saying that's that was that would be my answer <laughs> for Benji. I, if it was oh. a character, Benji would say Treebeard. Why? Because he's what? He suddenly comes out with a, with the against um forestation like he's now for deforestation i was gonna say if he was like super it'd like, be weird if he just randomly it, said like you know fuck the whales like, <laughs> who cares about them <laughs> they live in the ocean no, that, that, would, that would be characteristic because remember he doesn't give a shit except about anyone, anyone but the trees and it only affects things only affect him i am going to choose tree beard because things only <laughs> affect him that you know he, he only does something when it affects him in, in his own which is fine He's definitely not about issues. He's definitely very conservative. He's all into conservation and shit. He's so conservative. Ooh, yeah. If he if he was like super like anti the like it's if, you know if he was super like drug war proponent like crazily so, um, <laughs> I'd, I'd I'd be really disappointed in him. Be like, come on, these are your these are your uh, your little your little cousins. You know, come on. That's I think he would be even even more disappointed if Gandalf came out. In favor of the war on drugs, but he's he, he can't like that just wouldn't happen, Sam. This is this is not, this is real life, okay? <laughs> okay, Sam. So do you I mean, have tree beard is tree beard is super gay, so he definitely would not be against. Uh... Well, we are yeah, well obviously. So Sam, yes. What do you think? Oh, so my answer is um, Sean Aston, who plays uh, Sam, because he's not only does he play Sam, who's like you know the lovable underdog who is, like, the secret hero of the movie. But he's also Rudy, who is the other lovable underdog who's the hero of another movie. And, like, it's just, you know, it would be so awful to see this, like, lovable, scrappy underdog who's, like, just trying to, like, you know, show everyone that he can be, like, a, you know, a real man or a hero or whatever, you know, all of a sudden come out with, like, some kind of statement about how, um, you know, all the gays should burn in hell or something like that. Right? I mean, it would just be, like, so tragic and awful, and, like, we could never... I feel like if that happened, we could never watch Lord of the Rings or Rudy ever again. Oh, so you're, so you're into a bunch of centralist regulation, aren't you? That, that's what you're, <laughs> is that what you're saying? I'll tell you who I would be the most disappointed by if it turned out that Andy Serkis was a secret Nazi. Because <laughs> that, like, changes all those characters. 
Yeah. Oh, Smeagol doesn't like Hitler. Yes, he does. Yeah. <laughs> 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 and then all, those, all these other movies that he's been in will also kind of get ruined. That Andy Serkis does, like, you know, like King Kong. Now suddenly we can't enjoy that wonderful 14-hour movie. I'm sorry, that's 14 hours of, uh, after it got cut. Well, it's, know, the, historically it would make sense because it was it was in the 30s, and that's when fascism was, like, really rising in Europe. So what, it kind of... What, it the kinda Gollum looked, would be? Or no, the, no, King Kong. Oh, I see. So he was just, oh, like, King, tree. King Kong was for sure a facet, fascist. I think he was actually a supporter of Mussolini. That yeah, makes much I think, more I think sense uh, than anything else you've said. He was more of an Italian <laughs> fascist, you know, than he was a Hungarian or or, or German fascist. I think yeah, that's, that's right. Don't you know that King Kong is Italian? It's Italian yeah. for I love the Hitler. Um, <laughs> I don't really feel like that's accurate, but it probably means King Kong. Yeah. Well, now that we've gotten our offensiveness out of the way, let's get to today's top story, and this one involves. One of uh, the alums of Firefly, Adam Baldwin, also well known for his stint on Chuck, which right. I didn't care for because I didn't really like that show that much. And I thought you were a fan of Chuck. At I first, didn't really watch Chuck, but I thought you uh, liked. I did at first, and then it just got so boring. Well, he was also in Full Metal Jacket. That's true. A lot of people don't know that was one of his early ones. He was in Full Metal Jacket. Yep. That was one of his early roles. He was. He must have been so young. Go figure. He was the racist guy. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Ben. Was he? What was he like? Fourteen when that movie came out? <laughs> I think he was like. He's he's pretty old. He's just in really good shape. Like that's that's part of the thing. I mean, he's. Um, how old is he, Jeremy? Can you fact check it? Yeah, he's fifty-one. Yeah, he's he's uh, he's up there. I mean, I guess during Firefly, he was in his early forties. I'm pretty sure. That's right. Yeah, I know. It's it's kind of nuts. Yeah, he's just he's just in really good shape. That's I think what a lot of it is. Yeah, Full Metal Jacket was '87. So, okay. you know, he's he like 14. But yeah, all right, Pedro, you know the story the best, I think. So I do. Yeah. Um. No, but um. <laughs> Um, I just don't remember names. It's just that I, I looked up what happened. Um, basically, wait, why do I know the story best? <laughs> Where did this come from? <laughs> Sam, Sam fucking emailed us and said, hey, Please. look at the story. Benji, tell us what happened. All right. So your mother and I, we, uh, we've been spending – anyway. So um, from what I understand, you know, let me, let me say my version of events and then you can correct me. Sounds um, good. So – um, Adam Baldwin said some comment on Twitter yesterday about, like, um, like he said something to the effect of, let me look at the, the exact tweet, um, Adam Baldwin, um, tweet, um, you know, it had something to do with comparing it to incest a little bit, but, like, hold on. Yeah, he compared it to a father marrying his son for love and to avoid tax penalties. Yeah, he said. Well, I, he, didn't, he didn't even say like gay marriage, but he said, um, um, I mean, I, I mean, I mean, it can be inferred from that, but uh, 
what's wrong now with a father marrying his son for love and to avoid tax penalties? Um, so, like, he said that, and then this guy, um, this guy, Tim, I'm doing a terrible job of this. This, this guy. No, no, no. please continue, Benji. Oh, fuck you. <laughs> this, um, this, like, um, a guy who, uh, is Tim guy or whatever on, on, uh, like, who has this website that's, like, I think a pretty, like, liberal website. I, I'd never seen it before. Uh, sort of commented on the, uh, on, um, on his tweet. And then Nick Searcy, who I don't really know, but he looks familiar from the show Justified, looks like, um, started making these very, um, these very, like, scathing, like, sort of homophobic and, like, and, like, you know, fat comments too. You know, people use the term fat shaming or whatever, like basically attacking the, the, the guy with the uh, sort of liberal blog and it turned much more into a battle between, uh, a Twitter battle between Nick Searcy and this guy. And, and it was pretty nuts. Like I, I almost never look at these Twitter wars. It was like, whoa, like, like basically the, the liberal guy was saying stuff like, like, Oh, you should be more educated and something like that. And Nick Searcy was saying like, well, you should stop fucking eating donuts and hamburgers and shit. You, what do you want a fucking like, like centralist government? Like, like, like really it got deep. And I, I'm, I'm not sure I would say that like both side, like one side was, like one side was acting just fine. I mean, they were both goading each other, but Nick Searcy was like, woo, just flying off the chain. Uh, and, and I, I never, I, I barely knew who he was, but like, I was, I was like, whoa, and he was getting really angry and saying, and like, and like talking about how successful he was and how he has a family and, and like, you know, that, that that's great and that he's really successful and that like, you know, Democrats are doing all these like terrible things. And it just like, it kept, and Adam Baldwin would like chime in from time to time. But I think the crux of what a reason we're talking about is just because he's a, he's a Firefly alum. So it's just, you know, it's, it's a little disappointing when you hear things like that. But what still was more fascinating to me was just how fucking like, like how crazy the tr- Twitter battle was. Like, like two adults were like, were like nonstop for like, I don't know how long it was. It seemed like hours. Just, just really saying these like, like really like childish insults at each other, you know, especially from Nick Searcy. Anyway, um, did I explain it? Well, Sam, what do you think? Does that sound right to you? Um, it seems more or less accurate. I think that um, okay. So first of all, the guy the guy who responded to Adam Baldwin, his name is Tim Peacock, right? Um, and he has he has a blog which I don't really know anything about the blog, but just I'm just looking at you know the header, and it says like the first two links on it are politics, or the first two. Um, uh, words in the header are politics and LGBT activism. Right, um, right. Also, like church state, it says church state issues, women's rights, and more. So, without ever having read his blog, I just assume that it, like you said, it's it's a liberal blog and it's political and whatever, um, which is fine. You know, there's nothing wrong with having a, a political blog or having a slant. Um, one thing that I didn't really like about um, Peacock was that he, you know, he retweeted Baldwin and he was like, you know, criticizing him. And then he started tweeting the official TNT uh, Twitter account. Yeah. Like, to, to like, sort of, like, publicly shame Baldwin yep. in front of his employer. Which, I mean, I understand that, like, you know, when you make public statements like that and you work 
for an organization, then you sort of represent that organization. But I don't think that it was necessarily appropriate for him to do that. And that's, I think that's part of what pissed Baldwin off and, and also Nick Cersei, I think. Although the funny thing is that Adam Baldwin and Nick Cersei kept also, re- uh, you know, linking to the, the official TNT account, which is at TNT, we know drama. Like they, <laughs> they just keep, like everybody is like including TNT in their little, you know, Twitter spat, which is kind of entertaining, actually. Hey, listen, yeah. TNT, we know drama. How are you guys doing over there, TNT, we know yeah. drama? Yeah, well, well listen, I there was like plenty a, of drama. That's, like a that's for sure. There was there was lots of drama, and I there, assume that there, TNT it was, knew it. It was it was pretty nutty, and it was like, it's like it was like a it was all out like battle. It was like it was like two fighter jets just fucking like machine gunning each other, like continuously as they're both falling down. Like that's what it was like, um, and it was like I don't know. I, I think you have, I'm glad you brought that up, Sam, because I, you know, I definitely don't don't agree if that's Adam Baldwin's stance and Nick Cersei's stance. Like, I definitely, I definitely don't agree with it. I'm not saying like I'm ultra, like, like you know, Mister like posting blogs about about liberal ideas, and I'm super like like I'm I'm like purely an advocate for that. At the same time, you know, like I, I don't like it if someone's homophobic. But like that argument, I mean, what Tim Peacock was saying is this argument that you know, if you're if you're you know, he was like, I normally wouldn't wouldn't uh, embarrass someone like that or or shame them publicly like that. But if you are a celebrity and you're working and like you're you're making your success off of, like people's, I don't remember exactly what he said, but but off of uh, people paying attention to you and you're a public figure like that, then I feel fine doing this or like or like it's it's justified. And that's a loosey goosey argument. It doesn't it's mean you should be, you should justified. be a dick. Yeah, I, I don't. Oh. oh. But listen, I don't think that means that you need to be a people think people think that because someone else acts immoral that means you can act immoral. I mean it's the, it's the basic thing like two wrongs don't make a right. I think you can I think you can even publicize it in a way that's kind of mature and and, and just and just highlighting it being like hey look there's still homophobia and like it's, um or or people still believe this sort of thing. He could have approached it. He could have actually engaged him in a conversation and started talking about it um you know which Kind of uh, Tim Peacock's tech, uh, tweets were kind of calm to a certain degree, but, but the thing is, you're right. If he's if he's fucking just posting it to your employer and doing that, that just makes people go to war. That doesn't advance your cause, you know, really, or at least it gets other people riled up. And that sort of thing pisses me off because when you have really good views and you're trying to change things, what you do when you get really extreme and shame the other people and attack them is they just attack back. And they say, oh, look at how horrible these people are doing. And that's exactly what Nick Cersei was saying. He was saying that, you know, well... Look, liberals, are, they're always so, uh, um, you know, they, they, they are such hypocrites because of this sort of thing. And that's just what people do. So it's like, I, 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 don't, I completely agree that he just shouldn't have just right away just done like a, a douchebag thing like that and just sort of like messaged his, like, you know, TNT. Because clearly he was trying to shame him. And clearly he's like, look at him. And of course, you know, you're going to get a mob of response from people being like, oh, look at this fucking homophobe and, and look at that. It's like, you're not actually advancing the cause in a good way. You know, anyway, that's my right, and I I agree with that. But that said, it really is like immature the way that like, especially the way that Nick Searcy just like jumped on Tim Peacock and just started like, like just just like attacking him personally for like being overweight. Like it's ridiculous. Yeah, and then and and Baldwin, like you said, Baldwin's like kind of jumping in here and there. But this was really like Nick Searcy just like going off. And it's interesting in light of, um, you know, the fact that, that like bullying has become a major topic 
in you know in the the um uh i don't know it's it's just sort of like like it's it's in the air you know like that's that's sort of like a hot a hot topic nowadays especially especially i don't know if you guys have been following so much but like the whole um Richie Incognito and Jonathan Martin story in the NFL. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, and, and apart from that, you know, there's other, there's, I don't know, bullying is like a hot topic. And like Nick Cersei comes off as like this classic bully. Like he's just, yeah. Attack, like he's, like he's, he's saying like, the I'm cool and, you know, and I'm successful and, you know, and I, and, and whatever, I have a family and whatever people like me. And you're, you're just like nothing. You're like a little you're piece fat. of shit and you're fat. Yeah, and, like, he's just like people should yeah. laugh at you, and like you didn't have a date to the prom. Like, you know, it's it's really it's really like it's not only immature, but it makes me think that Nick Searcy was probably an asshole as a kid, and probably is still an asshole. Yeah, it seems that way. I mean, if he goes that quickly to saying like to to going to going like he went pretty quickly to those insults. And like those types of insults, like he he was he was sometimes trying to spring in something politically, um, and and trying to go on that, uh, on, on that in that vein. But mostly he was just attacking the guy for being fat and sort of attacking him for being gay, I guess. Um, but mostly attacking for being fat and liberal, and like that he's like a whiny fat, like. But it was still mostly fat jokes. That's the thing. It was mostly fat jokes, fat jokes, and I'm cooler than you, like. <laughs> so yeah, I agree. Well, so I think this raises an interesting question, which is sort of a classic problem, which is what happens if you have a situation of an artist being problematic? Yeah. Mm-hmm. What do you do with the art? Can you still appreciate art despite that? Like a classic example is The Pianist, for example, which is Roman Polanski's movie. Right with Adrian Brody. And I was talking about with this with someone recently because they were saying how it's a really well-made movie and, you know, it's very, like, it's tense and it looks, you know, it's very well shot and everything. But, you know, it was done by a convicted felon. Yeah. You know, a guy who literally ran away from the U.S. so he wouldn't get arrested. And mm-hmm. then, of course, there's all the stuff with Woody Allen, who's had many great movies, but, you know, it's clear that he's done some terrible things in his private life. Or even, well, like, this nonsense... The, the Woody recently. Allen thing, it's... Yeah. I don't know. I, I kind of go back and forth with Woody Allen. Like, depending on the day and, like, how I'm feeling, <laughs> like, whether I think that he actually did something horrible or whether he's just, like, the victim of, of like, a smear campaign. Like, I can't, I can't quite make up my mind about it. Well, no matter what, he was really he was really nebbishy and anxious and neurotic about it. No matter what happened, he was just yes. like, oh, I just can't do that. Um, yeah, I. Um, it is interesting. It kind of the other thing. Uh, one example you didn't mention, Jeremy, was also the Eminem thing. And actually, like I know some people still have their Eminem. Really? Well, do you remember? Because I don't think Eminem isn't like a horrible person in real life, is he? Oh uh, no! Well, I'm, well, I'm saying, but but there was the whole thing about you know. About his lyrics, remember early on his first two albums, um, especially, like like there was a lot of controversy about it, and people were like, well, but I think that's a different it? discussion because okay. you're talking about whether you know appreciating art when the art itself is potentially objectionable, and we're talking about like 
you know, like dealing, like looking, how do we, how do we deal with art, which, you know, there's nothing wrong with the art itself. It's good art, but the artist himself, separate from the art is, is like a despicable person or, or, you know, is otherwise like objectionable in some way. Well, well, and the thing is also Eminem, like, like almost always consistently is since then and, and, and during that point and since then has actually said many times, like, you know, I don't have a problem with gay people. It's not about gay people. And I mean, you can choose whether you believe it or, or not, you know, um, but he actually hasn't, you know, <laughs> um, I mean, he's well, had some controversy on the outside, but that's the, I mean, think uh, about another Metallica? Baldwin, yeah, Alec Baldwin, who has basically said that he's quitting show business because eh, I'm not, I'm not homophobe. I love gay people. And, I would say he's definitely a very talented actor, but that doesn't excuse what bad he behavior. What well, he he's did? done all sorts of stuff. He used, uh, you know, gay epithets to some people. You know, he's definitely been some very he's been abusive to people. He's, I think, he attacked a paparazzi guy. Yeah, with him, it's more just like rage. And, and like lack of self control, and and once every once in a while he would like get caught on camera just like unloading on someone, um, or or there was one where he like he left this phone message for his ex wife or something yeah. that that was leaked, and it was like just him like screaming for like five minutes at an answering machine. Like, it's like Mel Gibson. It was insane. It's, it's it's similar to the Mel Gibson thing. Where actually Mel Gibson's case, it was both his art and his <laughs> his like uh, behavior was, like, generating that sort of, like, negative, um, you know, negative buzz. Um, yeah, although I kind of feel like when you're talking about Hollywood actors, and and not not the actors as much, but, like, with, with the act, a lot of the actors are just, like, their lives are weirder than you would think, and, like, yeah. they're into, like, weird, like, they're into, like, I don't know, Scientology or, like, Kabbalah Shh, or... Like, talk about it. Something. Yeah. So, just, like, weird stuff. That's like off-putting. It's not necessarily like offensive, um, but but my sense of it is that like when you get higher up the chain and you start dealing with like you know directors and producers um, and like the people who who like make decisions like studio heads and stuff that they're probably all like awful people who do horrible <laughs> things that we mostly don't know about, but like we know a little bit about the horrible things that they do. But like the more the more we knew about it, the less we would be able to like stomach watching movies yeah yeah i think that's about i think it's a valid point but i still think it relates to what we're saying with uh with um with mel gibson just because he had the he had those meltdowns you know a series of meltdowns and like there was like the sort of anti-semitic uh, meltdowns and then there was another one where he like called up his wife and like you hear the recording and he's just really like laying into her but um yeah I, I, it does it does bring up a point like it's hard i think i you know, I I'm still I'm still on the boat really that you can still appreciate the art. I understand if you choose not to do it. Um, I I think that you know, like I I think there is you really can still apply the philosophy of you know people are complicated. I guess I really don't want to use like the the the, the you know the Christian <laughs> a quote. Actually, I'm fine. I'm fine using it. The the whole thing of like. That he used without sin as the first stone. I mean, I think there's like a point to it, you know. Mm-hmm. Like, like there's a point to the fact that like is is anyone perfect or people don't do this? It's just that they're being caught doing it. And how reprehensible is it? 
And like with Adam Baldwin's thing, and I don't think I'm just saying it because I like Jane as a character. With Adam Baldwin's thing, I think it was kind of an immature thing to say. I don't like that he publicized it. Um, is he that much worse than someone, than you know, people that we might know who we, who we might kind of like too? I mean, Jeremy, you and I have had conversations with people we know who have very different political views, and they say some some sort of you know offensive thing, but like they're not totally this awful person, and they, they're just like being loud and saying these offensive things, though we don't like it. It doesn't mean that they're going around, you know, sort of like, you know, actually like gay bashing or beating up gay people or something like that. Though right. maybe, you so know, then I guess the question is, is, well, it's also different when you know the person personally. Right. I mean, I, it's not really the same for famous people because we don't know them. We don't know enough about them. We only see how they're being shown and what they're, they themselves are putting out. So when they go out and, you know, they Twitter bash people or they you know they do things in public it's what we're seeing of them it's what they're permitting of their image to get out there mm-hmm. so i don't know it's a tough the, call the fact that the fact that adam baldwin you know objects to homosexuality for i don't know like probably religious reasons that in and of itself like doesn't bother me or doesn't make me like make it difficult for me to like appreciate um, watching him act it's more the the pettiness that that developed afterwards, you know, just the mm-hmm. the like the the little flame war that happened afterwards. That sort of like it's it's like more off putting to me because like I don't know. There's there's a lot of actors and performers and like you know I mean like um, how many how many professional wrestlers have become born again Christians <laughs> and you know I mean like the Ultimate Warrior or like Sting or whoever. You know, who are now like like crusade against, um, you know, like against against uh, gay marriage and things like that. Really? Um, yeah, you didn't know about that. I mean, Sting. Oh, I'm not. I don't so actually bad. know about Sting. I know that Sting is a born again Christian. I don't know if he crusades against uh, gay marriage, but I do know that the Ultimate Warrior is like a staunch conservative political oh, yeah, advocate he now. Is. I mean, I think I think a lot of those wrestlers. I think actually a lot of professional wrestlers are are conservative anyway. Just like whenever I've, I've heard anything about any political issues or anything like that. And that's also kind well, of their most, fan base. Most professional under- wrestlers, for whatever reason, seem to come from, like, small towns, yeah. like, rural areas. They come from the south or or from, like, I don't know, western Canada or somewhere. You know, like, they're not they, – for whatever reason, very few of them come from, like, urban backgrounds. Um, so I think there's just, like, demographics at play. And also, like, I think professional wrestling just appeals to – more to, like, the conservative um, demographic – than the liberal demographic, you know, if you look at like where wrestling is popular and who wrestling fans are, yeah, uh, yeah. So that's so yeah, like there's a tendency I think for wrestlers to sort of like have that sort of mindset. A lot of them are, you know, they're going to be from the south, they're going to be from Texas, they're going to be from like Oklahoma or whatever. Well, I mean, uh, somehow, somehow it doesn't, it doesn't. I, I, maybe it's just because it's harder to take wrestling seriously. Though I will always defend professional wrestling, as you know. But 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 at the same time, like I think people don't make as big of a deal out of it because also, first of all, people don't take that seriously, and also just somehow it just it's like makes sense. Like if because it's their job to talk shit anyway. Like as a promo, so you can see them like being like, and any <laughs> any gay man who walks down that ramp, I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna pile drive him and and, and rakishi his face. <laughs> you, now here's here's something that's interesting. You could argue that all the homoeroticism that's inherent in wrestling might make it that 
they you know that these guys you know are really like terrified of being called gay. Mm. Yeah, I think that is a factor. And yeah. uh, you know, I mean, it, I I don't follow wrestling really at all anymore. But my impression is like maybe like the younger generation of wrestlers is like a little bit less rigid about that. Like I could imagine a guy like CM Punk coming out like in favor of gay marriage and like not making a big deal out of it, just because like. But he's he also sort of has a reputation as being like an outsider a little bit, and yeah. you know, like trying to to sort of like pick controversial opinions. So like you know, having like liberal political beliefs in that culture is an example of like you know being an outsider and and being controversial mm-hmm. yeah okay well i think we've sort of gone through a good uh, amount here so let's move on to our next topic which is our trailer reacts so there's two trailers that we saw recently about movies coming up this year and one of them was noah the vaguely biblical, mythological movie from Darren Aronofsky. What do you mean vaguely biblical? Well, I'll get to that (laughs) in a second. And the other one is Guardians of the Galaxy, another vaguely biblical movie. Darren Aronofsky. (laughs) I was uh, hoping you were going to say that. (laughs) If you weren't going to say it, I was going to say it. Not everything is from Darren Aronofsky, you know, as we've learned to our chagrin. Sadly. (laughs) But it's yeah. from James Gunn, who, is, who I think is a talented guy, and we can talk about these two shows. What do you want to? Which one would you like to talk about first? Let's do Noah first. All right. Oh, okay. thanks. I agree, Sam. That's a good point. <laughs> what, you agree with him about what? Uh, we should do Noah first. Oh, okay. Well, so we've all seen it. It's interesting to me how it's. And anyone who hasn't seen it, you know, check the link in the description. Stay tuned for but part two of the podcast. What I was found interesting is like immediately how you see these, you know, very explicit biblical imagery with the the serpent and the apple, right? And mm-hmm. later on, you have a couple things which which are clearly brought in from what you know what we call the midrashim, which is oh. sort of like you know the lesser known commentaries on the Bible. But there's also seemingly <laughs> well, I was gonna say like this whole idea about the water. I mean I wouldn't even up. to call them commentaries, they're more like um stories. It's it's, they're, it's like an oral tradition. Yeah. Of, like supplemental, you know um but, supplemental stories that are like expansions on the stories of the Bible that have been like sort of recorded um, they're, they're, in the in the Jewish tradition, they're they're kind of considered yeah. like Jewish mythology. I mean, some people. I mean, there's you know a uh, there there are different you know there's a machlokas about it, but uh, <laughs> they're like there are different um, you know some people more lean to the side of the, the midrashim are real, but there are also plenty of people who are like you know quite religious uh, who who still say that they're more they're not, they're more allegorical. Um, and they're and, and it seems like they're more like you know, considered in this mythological context. If you get to some, because if you get to some Madrashim, like during the time of like King David and things like that, some of them are like, you know, they have like serp, like like dragons and serpents and demons and things like that that you don't really see in the same way in like the Torah itself. So I'm just saying, to anyone who doesn't understand, I feel like comparing it somewhat, to saying it's Jewish mythology, I think is somewhat of a. I think I think it makes sense. Yeah. Say. Yeah, no, I mean that's that's a decent enough descriptor of it, you know, Jewish mm-hmm. mythology. 
Well, um, Aronofsky has said yeah. that you know he has taken things from all sorts of different sources, including some of the apocryphas, which is definitely a, an interesting idea. It's a definitely an, an alternative way to do things. Is that is that the one with like the the, the, the people like like the the black Jews? Is that what that's about? No, the no, apocrypha. No. The apocrypha oh. is a general term for sort of like the gathered obscure works about biblical stories that weren't collected in any of the main editions of the Bible. Sam, does that sound right to you? Well, I mean, depending on who you ask, like, you know, the Jews have their list of books that are considered apocrypha, and then the Christians have, like, a slightly different collection of books that are apocrypha, you know. But basically, it's 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 a collection of books that well, were... is a big what? part of it. Right, that are that are specifically like not part of the Bible, but are of the same time period, you know, that were written at the same time and in the same style as some books that are included in the canon of the Bible. And so they're, you know, um, they're sort of at least I can't really speak about how the Christians look at the Apocrypha, but for the Jews, the Apocrypha are sort of these these books that have like. Um, information which is like important and relevant, um, you know, as sort of like supplemental um, to what's in the Bible, but are considered to be sort of like not as, you know, not not holy in the same way, not significant from a religious perspective, but but definitely significant from a scholarship perspective. Right. So, I mean, like I, I noticed something in the trailer where a whole bunch of water was shooting up from the ground. Yeah. Which is definitely right. a specific thing from one of the uh, Jewish Midrashim things that I remember. And apparently there's some people who are watching this that are that got mad. You know, we've read some of those stories about how some of the audiences weren't happy about it. Which, uh... Weren't happy about, is, about what? Well, the pillars. Oh, I don't know what they weren't happy about. That's That's one of the interesting questions. What did they dislike? No, oh, I thought I thought we were talking about something more specific. Well, I mean, I really well, okay, know, okay. Uh, I do I mean, have a guess. I do have yeah. a guess based on something that we saw in the trailer, where you know, uh, old man Anthony Hopkins, who I think is playing Methuselah, is that who he's playing? They don't. They don't say who he's playing. He could be. There's a lot of people that he could be playing. He could be playing Methuselah. He could be playing Enoch. You know, I mean, there's there's like a lot of people. That are like, um, you know, a generation, a couple of generations older than Noah, who are like significant. Okay, I'm uh, I'm gonna look it up. Uh, okay. He is playing Methuselah. Oh, it is Methuselah. Okay. Who is Noah's grandfather? Because he mentions his his father. I'm trying to remember. It's hard to remember all the the ridiculousness of all these things. Let's see. Okay, Enoch was his father. Uh-huh. Okay. So, right. Right. <laughs> Is it go? So this is like one of those. Methuselah uh, was supposedly like he's well known in biblical storytelling as the one who is described as having lived the longest, however many hundreds and hundreds of years. Yeah, right, right. Yeah, right. So that's that's kind of funny. Right. But, well, I mean, it's everybody. Everybody from that time is described as having having lived for like multiple hundreds of years. Yeah, I remember uh, as a kid that was so cool. Just but about but he, but he he is the longest. I don't remember exactly how long. It's like it's like nine hundred something. Something like that, yeah. Yeah. 
But another thing is what he's saying, you know, is like, you know, he's, you know, that God is going to talk to you in a certain way. And it seems to me that it, there may be something about that where it's not an explicit God talking to Noah, which I, I, I like that kind of idea because that's one of those things that always sort of is weird about a lot of these stories about God talking because a lot yeah. of the tradition is like, well, if you hear God talking, it's going to screw you up. You know, and how you know the the distance between God and people is already sort of weird. So just from a religious perspective, it's sort of it doesn't make as much sense to just have a direct talking line. Which yeah. is why and, I, and, I like and it this seems idea. like it seems like from the trailer that the communication is is done through like a vision, right. you know, with with like visual imagery rather than than like a voice or words, which is cool. I mean, it's cool from like a, a cinematic perspective and it's cool as you were describing from a, you know, from like a, a more like theological or metaphysical perspective of like, you know, what does it mean for God to, to talk to a person? Like, does he talk in words and like, you know, how does it, how does a person like understand it? You know, it's sort of, sort of bizarre to, to think of, of like an infinite being communicating directly to a person that way. But like, but the idea of a person having a vision of something happening, that he has to, you know, that and it might be sort of like difficult or obscure, or you know, just something that that requires um, some sort of like interpretation. You know, that that it's like a lot easier to, to sort of grasp that as as a form of divine communication. Yeah. So, so but 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 also as a movie, you know, like it's just you get to you get to like show all these cool scenes of like these cool images and these yeah. you know dreams well, and visions and stuff, which is which is right up Aronofsky's alley. And I feel like I feel like it's a it's like in some sense that's like a, a general thing you can do that actually will please the most people, even if some people are angry about it, just because um, because you know the, the whole idea is that the talking, as you were saying, like the talking to God thing is just like you know. It, like a lot of people have different opinions about what that what that meant. Like most people will say that like, not just a direct voice, you know, like saying that there's something weird. I remember having like teachers explain that what was different that like Abraham had had a, a different uh, ways of talking to God than than did the, than, than like his sons or whatever. It was like Abraham he actually talked in his mind, and and like Isaac and Jacob, it was like a little less than like like sometimes like in dreams or something like that. And that, like, Moses, it was, like, just only like, a few times in his life. Something like that. But, like, um, but, you know, it's, it's, um, I, I think some of the controversy, if, if you want to talk about that, like, what, I think no matter what, just the baseline controversy is always going to happen is that when someone does an interpretation of a religious work, um, unless it's, like, super religiously driven, and even then it's going to garner some controversy, but unless it's, it's super religiously driven, I think people are going to, People, you know, if, if people are going to have an issue with it, you know, it, like just virtue of what it is. I mean, being a Hollywood movie, um, you know, not necessarily coming from, let's say, a religious organization or anything like that, being more just an artistic uh, story. You know what I mean? I, I like it on its own. It's just going to have people, I think, uh, attacking it. I, 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 I'm sure there were people. In fact, I'm almost positive there, there were people when you know the Passion of the Christ came out. That people, you know, Christians who didn't like that that was made, because they're like, why is it a Hollywood movie? 
why is this person interpreting it? The only thing that can interpret it is is the Bible itself or maybe, you know, the clergy. So I think that's probably part of it, just the fact that they're doing an interpretation. Um, but I guess most people did choose to see it. So um, I don't know. I mean, I, 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 it could be so many things that people respond to, and there's the talking to God thing, but it's also just like people be like, well, that's not right. They didn't get that one right. How could they do that? Also, also, knowing Aronofsky, Aronofsky likes to get into the nitty-gritty of people, you know, whether it's it, it could be really violently sexual or neither, just showing people in a very intense light, and, you know, he doesn't yeah, always show people I mean, the best, you know. One thing about Aronofsky is you know that he's not just going to show Noah as, like, a saint who right. is like committed, you know, God told him to do something, so he did it, and the people mocked him, but he ignored them. You know, like he's going to show Noah as a as a complex character who who has doubts, um, you know, who's like struggling with his mission, um, you know, who might even like at, who knows, it'll probably like break down at some point, you know. Yeah, I mean, like that's beforehand. Aronofsky yeah. doesn't he doesn't want to tell a simple story about a simple person. He wants to tell an interesting story about a complicated person. Yeah. So. I mean, I feel like there's a lot of ways I think this could go. And the truth is, we don't really know what's going to happen. Like, there's stuff that happens with the animals, but how do they get there? We have really have no idea. I mean, you feel like he's got to have some kind of interesting way of dealing with it, and I'm really curious as to how he's going to do it. What I'm curious about is how do you do this movie and do it in, like, a serious way? Because... Aronofsky, you know, like his movies are serious, right? right? I haven't seen all of them, but my my impression, of, you know, the ones I've seen and like my impression of the other ones is like they're all kind of dark movies. Maybe yeah. they have like a little bit of humor, but they're not they're not supposed to be sort of like, you know, fun. Right. They're supposed to be like intense. And right. like this this is basically a Roland Emmerich movie, right? Yeah, you know, well. this is like. <laughs> I'm not sure that's quite the right. In terms of uh, not not, I'm saying like this movie, but I'm saying like the the concept of it. Like if you said I'm going to make a movie where the entire world is destroyed in a flood and these people have to build a giant boat and survive, you know, like that that sounds like something that Roland Emmerich would do, right? Right. Well, think about it this and way. And it, but and you know, and oh, and they're going to have all the animals in the world. They're going to come and like oh. stay on their boat. Yeah. Like like it it seems kind of silly. And I don't no, know he, how make can, it... I don't know how you can execute that premise without like letting it become silly and like over the top, you know, sort of like Emmerich style, um, you know, like like well, disaster he, movie. He's certainly putting in some really good actors into this, and I yeah, think with yeah. Russell Crowe, he yeah, he can pull that off. He's yeah. directed correctly. He can do a very great subtle performance. The problem can is. We, Speaking speaking of the actors, can we talk about how white the cast is? <laughs> well, that's true. It is a bit, yeah. Not not just white, but like British, right? Well, or like like well, I mean, Russell Crowe's Australian, but um, Jennifer Connelly isn't British. Jennifer Connelly actually isn't British. That's true. She's American. Well, well, the Jennifer. So Connelly I guess it's not really that British. I guess you just have um, um, you know, Hermione Granger and uh, um. And Anthony Hopkins, who are both British, but but it's still it's like it's like a really really white, white white bread cast. That's interesting. I mean, and these are you know these are these are supposed to be characters that you know I can't say they're Jewish because they're actually not Jewish, but they are supposed to be kind of like, you know, like Middle Eastern Mediterranean, or at least North African, yeah, 
or at, yeah, or North African or something, but like not, they're not supposed to be like European. Yeah. I and, mean, and so like, that's, that's like a little bit of a, you know, I'm, I'm not so happy about that. I don't know that, you know, there's nothing really to be done. Um, but you know, it's like, like it's over now, but, but it's just kind of a shame. I think that they cast it that way instead of going for, yeah, um, but let me tell you something. You know, a, color, a different color palette. We'll that wouldn't that. have happened. The, the the studio would had to have famous people right. involved. Right. They wouldn't have allowed it otherwise. Uh, I want to tell you something interesting about Noah, the movie. So guess who was originally offered the part? Aronofsky. Guess who he offered? Keanu Reeves. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> He offered it to uh, two non-American white guys. Who do you think? You mean for, for, to, to be Noah, you mean? Yeah, and I'll give you another hint. Both of them have played comic book characters. Two non-American white guys who have played comic book characters. Yeah. Are, wait, can I ask a question? Are they British? One of them is. Chota Abijabifor? No, no. That would have been interesting, but no. Wait, didn't Jeremy say they were white guys? I did. Uh, um, Christian Bale? That's right. That's one of them. No, what's the Christian other one? Yeah. Okay. Naturally. And the other one... Jim... 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 Camisa? Camisa? <laughs> <laughs> I know it wasn't. <laughs> no, That'd be no. great if just he was... Mel Gibson. It's not a terrible um, guess. I do not think Aronofsky would work with him. No, probably not. Yeah, Mel Gibson wanted to be told what to do about something biblical from like a Jew. Anyway, the answer <laughs> is Michael Fassbender. Oh, he's really good. He's really good. He is good, but he's they you know they said no. no Russell Crowe is. I mean, what you're saying, Russell Crowe is a solid, um, a solid actor. You know what I mean? Like a solid. Like I think you're right about it being directed or not, but I like he, I feel like he's never like really shitty. Like like even well, if you say there he's been some clunkers, like he's not like some people some people, you know, lose their even if they are really good in something, there are some things where they're just like Ugh. Yeah, Russell Crowe has a lot of charisma. Yeah. I mean it, I remember the first time that I saw him in anything was LA Confidential. Mm-hmm. And he was just sort of like this big like really angry guy who had like sort of like a heart of gold, but in a crazy temper. And then you know, eventually when you saw him team up, you know, he was you're kind of like you really liked the guy by the end, even though he was kind of like a messed up person. And then of that's course, kind of funny. He was in Gladiator um, shortly after that's, that. That's kind of funny because the first thing I saw him in was, or I don't know, maybe I saw Gladiator before. Oh, you know what, one of the right. one of the things there one of the first things else. I saw him in was The Inside Man, oh, in I'll, which. He plays a character who is really not very charismatic and is not supposed to be charismatic, even though he's the hero of the movie, because he's supposed to be just this regular guy, kind of like overweight and schlubby. The, um, I think you mean the insider. The insider. Yeah, the insider? Not the insider. Oh, not the, the, inside the inside man, man was a dental. Was, was, yeah. was the Spike Lee thing? Yeah. Yeah, but um, no, the insider. That's what it was called. I yeah. just remembered there was a. Actually, I did see him in a movie before that. It was called Virtuosity. He was called Sid Six Point Seven. That's right. That was the my goodness. That was a long time ago. This was a, this came out in 1995, but yeah. I rented it. Yeah. For all I know, one of you was watching it too with me. But this, I don't remember it, that. It's, Denzel Washington plays the main guy who's 
who was a policeman. And essentially, there's a the Russell Crowe plays a virtual reality serial killer that escapes into the real world. <laughs> um, I don't know. It's kind of a lot of fun in a stupid way. <laughs> but he was actually pretty good in that as this sort of nutty, you know, computer monster. It's hard for me to imagine Russell Crowe playing a nutty character. Oh, what? What do you mean? Oh, well, I guess maybe you haven't seen as much. But, yeah. What what has he been in where he's played, like, a nutty character? I guess I was thinking that's probably the only one. That he hasn't or has been? That he's, well, no, The Man with the Iron Fists, which wasn't a good movie. But he played decently in there. I thought he was. Probably wait, 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 wait. Are, are you saying? Are, are you trying to find places where Mel Gibson wasn't nutty? Not Mel saying? Gibson, Russell Crowe. Or Russell Crowe. No, Mel Gibson has been nutty in plenty of things. Yeah. You know, it's kind of a signature. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, you saw him when he was in South Park. You know, he did that well, role. So. That was him. Yes, he played himself. <laughs> so <laughs> when it's... you're a clown, nobody takes you seriously. <laughs> So I am definitely looking forward to this movie. I mean, I don't know how it's going to go, but I will tell you this much. You know, when I compare, like, it, I, there's two movies that I can think of where Russell Crowe and Jennifer Connelly were in. One of them was called A Beautiful Mind, which I never saw. Mm-hmm. Have yeah. either of you seen that one? Yep. Uh, No, actually, I haven't. So, as you probably know, uh, there is a... the there was a screenwriter, Akiva Goldsman. Heard of him? Mm-hmm. He was the he was a screenwriter. He won an Oscar for that. He also wrote *I Robot* and *The Da Vinci Code*. And what else? Come on, his best movie, <laughs> *Batman and Robin*. Batman. Oh. That's interesting. There's such a range. Like, like I, I did. <laughs> I, I really found Beautiful Mind like, like it was good for the first half and very disappointing the second half. But I wouldn't, I wouldn't put him on the on as low as a Batman and Robin level. That's kind of surprising. Well, he also did Lost in Space, that awful movie with Matt LeBlanc. But Matt LeBlanc is my hero. Yes, Matt LeBlanc. He's everybody's hero. <laughs> I do like Matt LeBlanc. Well, I like... <laughs> he, he was just in the. He also just wrote the and. Uh, produced this movie called Winter's Tale and uh-huh. it was not good but that being said I think it's fair to say that almost every actor and writer and director has been involved in at least one really crappy movie and probably yeah. several yeah well you can't really avoid it alright so let's move on except for Darren Aronofsky right right well he's had a pretty good track record so far but he I mean, also he hasn't, hasn't been he hasn't that made that many movies yeah he hasn't been nearly well, by so now many. by now he has i mean like especially now with noah like how many is that that's um that's six that's a pretty that's a pretty decent career also to have awesome ass movies that are some of the greatest ever that's that's awesome um well him and him and basically like christopher nolan i would say are like the two directors i could name who have Pretty much, like made like every movie they made was good. Um, but I, I, I mean, I mean, you know, you know how I feel about some of that, and I, and and uh, no, listen, listen. Uh, even though I, lo- Dark Knight Rises was not a shitty movie, like that wasn't. I think. Uh, I mean, Dark Knight Rises probably is Nolan's weakest. But yeah, and and like and and even I, even I, that I, is, it's not like a terrible movie by any means. Of course yeah, not. yeah. I mean, I mean, but I do find Aronofsky to have way more richness and depth 
uh, overall. Like, Nolan has kind of these cool thrillers, and he does add uh, humanity to it, but it's like, I, I think it's a little more hit and miss than Aronofsky in terms of at least, like, the richness. I mean, once again, I understand why some people don't like Aronofsky. Like, I, I, I do understand it. But, like, in terms of, like, the, the richness and, like, the a lot of that quality, I, I don't know. Um, before we move on from Aronofsky, I did want to mention one thing, which was really cool, which I noticed in the trailer. There's, like, one part of it where it has um, Noah talking, like, um, like by, like, a campfire or something like that. And when he talks, like, um, like the sound, it's, it's not this dramatic sound. It sounds like someone's talking, like, intimately. And he does that a lot. He has these just intimate scenes and, like, ah, I'm so looking forward to it. That's awesome. Oh, all right. yeah. I mean, this, I think we're all looking forward to it. I'm excited. If if it was like a big, dumb action movie, I would be excited for it for that reason. But the fact that it's Aronofsky, and I do have enough faith in him that I think that he can deliver an impressive, you know, like you said, like intimate, you know, um, human story in this like giant, stupid blockbuster like setting, you know, like it's it's just fascinating to me to, to like find out like how is it going to come out? And and what kind of movie is it going to be? And is it going to be amazing or is it going to be like awesomely terrible? I mean, I don't think it'll be awesome. It's awesomely terrible. It's, terrible. Like, I, I, I can't, I can't imagine Aronofsky making a terrible movie, but like it's it's okay. going to be something, right? Yes. Like okay. Okay. <laughs> one way or another. Jeremy, can you quickly reference or like summarize that article that we all read? about, like, that, that they're using the director's cut, the Aronofsky director's cut? Oh, well, there was just some pushback from the production studio, and they wanted to use a different cut than he wanted to use. But finally, they let him do it, basically. You know, but the, per- the, the perspective of, of the author of this article, it, it was it was a good perspective he had, like, like you know, he said, I'm just really happy that, you know, this is a time... It's not like more like... I don't know how big of an Aronofsky fan this guy was or not, this author... But he had, he had a, um, he was just make. it just sounded like he was making a good point of like, you know, this is a point for like, for, this is a, a good one for real, uh, this is like a, 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 at least a little tiny victory for true artists and, and, and true, at least film aficionados. And he had made a good point and it was a well-balanced, uh, you know, article where he basically was saying, you know, I'm just really glad that the original version um, the director's cut is going to come out, and he was saying, if it's great, it's, that'll be great because it'll be Aronofsky's version. Um, that'll be great, and if, if it sucks, at least the the artist got his vision across. And it's a very well balanced thing, and that's awesome. But fuck him because it's not going to suck. <laughs> I, like I like, listen, it may not be his best, and and I don't really mean fuck you, the author. I'm sorry. I'm really glad that you put that out there. But um, <laughs> but, but 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 honestly, like like I, I don't see it sucking. It may not be his best. And we don't know, and there may be problems with it. I mean, I'm sure there are going to be some good moments. There also very, very possibly might not be some good moments. But, but as you're saying, Sam, it's it's going to be something, which I think, which I, which is what you're going to expect from from Aronofsky. And there are only a few directors you expect that from. You know, I mean, that shows the work of genius. You expect that from Scorsese, and he's not on on point every single time in the same way. You expect that from Scorsese, Kubrick, um, I'd say Spielberg. Some people disagree, um, and uh, yeah, there are definitely some others. Well, I, I, think I would say, you know, with, with Spielberg, like he, he's not, he's not like a, a an a visionary artist in the same way that some of those other guys are. But like he's a, he is what you, what I will say in, in his favor is he's a great storyteller. Like Spielberg yeah. knows 
how to how to tell a story through film That's more it. than like almost anyone. Like he really he can really do it. And like, you know, and, and that and he does. I think you, you could say like going through his uh his history, like it's it's pretty respectable. You know, like he doesn't he doesn't really have too many duds in there. Well, all right, so I think we can move on. Okay. So let's talk about this other trailer, which is for Guardians of the Galaxy. Ah. Now, obviously, among all of us, I have the most knowledge of that, but even that is really minimal compared to every other kind of comic book property I'm aware of. Right. Well, I mean, I'll just say up front, I know absolutely nothing about the comics of Guardians of the Galaxy. Only Nothing whatsoever. Okay, here's here are the two exposures I have to it. One of which I watched this show called Avengers Earth's Mightiest Heroes, which is a mm. cartoon show that I watched on Netflix because it had the whole thing. And it was pretty fun. It was basically like, you know, a comic booky Avengers guys, you know, fighting monsters and all that stuff and all their different villains. And at one point the Guardians of the Galaxy show up in one episode and they have to team together. Of course, first, as they have to, the two teams fight each other obviously. Right. <laughs> uh, but then, you know, so I got a little bit of personality stuff out of them, but not a lot because it was only one episode. And the other one is in the Lego Marvel superheroes game. You can, uh, they make little cameos. Wait, Lego got the license to Marvel and to DC. Yeah. How did they do that? Well, because it's not just the Lego people making it. I don't know, like, I, I can't even, Lego gets a license to everyone. They have, like, Star Wars. Yeah, they have they're, Transformers. They're, they they're must like, have some really good, some really good I don't, I don't understand how, but Lego gets, gets licensing to, like, every major property. And, like, I can't, I, I just, for one thing, I don't understand how they got DC and Marvel. Like, like they're, yeah. normally they, they write in, like, you know, clauses in the contract that say you can't do that. So well, I, I, really I, you know, Legos, honestly, like, I mean, are, are there bigger when it comes down to it? Like, I don't know about in terms of actual sales, but if you're going to measure, like, in terms of humanity, like, his civilization, has there been a, a, a more, cons- a, like, a, a, a toy line that yeah. has more consistently uh, done well and, and lasted than Legos? Like, has it really dropped off? Kids still they, love Legos. It's not partner like, is how they do it. I mean... First of all, some of the stuff, so the original Lego Star Wars was made entirely out of LucasArts. Mm -hmm. And obviously Lego Indiana Jones as well. Right. But then they started partnering. So then Lego Batman was produced from, with, as a combination between Warner Brothers and DC Comics, which of course are owned by Warner Brothers. So that wasn't a big deal. And Lego Harry Potter, also Warner Brothers. But then you start to get to Lego Pirates of the Caribbean, which is Disney. And Disney's the only one who made that. Basically, Lego just sort of gave it out. And then, of course, you had Lego, you know, the Lord of the Rings, which is like with the MGM. Yeah. And the Lego Marvel superheroes is Warner Brothers and Marvel working together. And not only that, there's a new game that's planned, which is called Marvel vs. DC Superheroes. Well, Marvel, Marvel, Marvel versus DC versus. things have happened. I like, know, but that, that's what I'm saying. Have, but, you know. but, but, like, but I think, I think, so you're, you're not answering the question um, about like 
why it's, it's more the question why does, is like, why does everybody work like, with lego right, that's the right. real question. like, like why, like, why would they want to do does, it and why I does think, everybody want to do lego and i think i think it's because of what i was talking about i think lego really does have a lot of pull i mean i'm sure there are smart business people you know for lego who do it who, who are smart and whatever and, and and know how to do deals well i mean they probably do run their company pretty well but the thing is that Lego, I mean, has such a good, solid reputation and does so well. I mean, can anyone talk shit about Legos? No one can. No well, one. Every, you can everyone loves a Legos. Little bit, but yeah, but, but, the, but, but you can't. You can't like really say Legos are like this detriment to society or they're stupid because Legos. Think about. It, there's so much to it. Like you, you can both make make things. In fact, that was kind of what the awesome Lego movie was dealing with. You know, you can make things by the instructions and. And make these awesome things. Actually, and also I haven't can... seen the Lego movie. I want to see it. I'm not going to give it away, but but and it, it was. Awesome. I, I really want to see it. Awesome, 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 awesome. It was it was just really awesome, uh, start to finish. Um, I thought it could have ended like 15 minutes earlier, but but beyond that, it was good. We can talk about it another time. But the, but yeah. the thing is about about Legos is Legos Legos has so much going for it. It's got the nostalgia. It's got the it's got you know you can you can you can always do something. You can take old Legos and do something new. It's got this it it it's it's like simultaneously this big block, like blockbuster mega corporation that pumps out products and simultaneously like ignites your personal creativity. And like they got it down. And once again, kids want to use it. Kids for the most part love it. You know, I, I didn't have a lot of Legos growing up. They were always awesome. And I had friends, you know, who use a lot of Legos and I always played with them. So like, I don't know. I, I, so I think everyone wants to do it. It's, it's, I mean, you have this huge market by, by going into to Legos, and, and there are a few other places I think you, you can do that. I think maybe the other thing comparable in that sort of field is, like, you know, a video game console. You know what I mean? Like, you're trying to go to, to, to get something on Nintendo or PlayStation or Xbox, you know, then I think the competition might be just as fierce, and, you know, maybe they can get this or that. Anyway, whatever. But um, you, know, you know what Lego has not licensed yet is what? Guardians of the Galaxy. Really? Well, yeah. not directly. So, like I said, they had a cameo. But so, are you guys at all familiar with the characters? I mean, they did a little bit. Of, I think they did a pretty decent job in the trailer. I know, I know, like the main guy is—I forget his name. You have to tell me his name. He called himself Star Lord. He calls himself Star Lord, although nobody else apparently calls him that, which is hilarious. Um, <laughs> and he's—he's he's like kind of a, a roguish character. He—he he probably thinks of himself as a level of a rogue, and other people probably don't think he's actually lovable. Um, so I, I, so fine. There's that guy, Star-Lord. I know there's like a raccoon that with, that shoots guns a lot. And there's a tree that, right. uh, right. only says his name or something like that. Uh-huh. Yeah. I like, believe I, he's played right. by Vin Diesel in the movie. Is that right? Yeah. I'll, I'll explain awesome. all that stuff in a second. <laughs> it's right. Vin Diesel. And then there's, <laughs> and there's, there's like a, a couple more characters also, right? There's like two uh, more. You're almost, or one you're more. almost there. Yeah, there's 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 two more. There's a girl, played by right. Zoe Saldana. I don't know what makes her like weird or unusual or distinctive, other well, than the fact green, that she's green and she's a like woman. a she's like a super assassin. Okay. Zoe Saldana, pretty solid. I I think she, she's not totally underrated, but I think she's a pretty solid actress. Um, maybe doesn't get all the credit she deserves. Right. Well, Chris Pratt. Who does the voice of the of the main guy in the Lego movie? It, and he's also very funny on Parks and, and Recreation. Is really a very talented comedic actor. 
And I mean, I I think this uh this is a good kind of part for him, you know, as this sort of vaguely the hero or leader character. You know, mm-hmm. as I recall, it's something like his mother was an alien and his father's a human, so he has some kind of superpowers. I don't know what they are exactly, but there's something. Yeah, from the trailer, his superpowers seem to mainly consist of like giving people the middle finger. <laughs> That's a pretty powerful finger. <laughs> yeah. Um, of what? So yeah, Vin and he's Diesel, married to Anna Ferris. Well, uh, the, the real guy okay. in real life, yes. So yeah. Vin Diesel plays the voice of Groot. Groot is a giant tree-like thing. He's sort of like a right. tree beard, if you will. He's an, he's like an ant, and the only thing he ever says is "I am Groot," but he yeah. says it different ways. So, for example, in the cartoon that I saw, they actually dealt with this. Like they had him atta- when he when he comes out and starts attacking people. It's like "I am Groot." But then when they all settle down, he, like, introduces himself. He's like, I am Groot. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know how they're going to... You would think you would still be kind of limited in terms of uh, how many different things you could (laughs) communicate using just the same sentence over and over again. I don't know. I mean, I think Diesel for Groot, it seems like a pretty great idea. And I think that... In, when I, when it's kind of like a Pokemon. I like that Vin Diesel <laughs> definitely seems like he's totally into it. Yeah, yeah. Listen, I I, I don't shit on Vin well, Diesel. Remember, because, remember yeah. that Vin Diesel is like a huge nerd. He's is he? Like, yeah. like, like, he grew up like playing Dungeons and Dragons as a kid, and like, oh, you know, the, like, yeah, he's... True. He is. He's, 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 he's secretly... He's not, not, not even that secretly... Um, he's he's actually like like a total nerd. He's kind of a lovable dork. Like like honestly, people have to talk shit about him. And but honestly, he doesn't bother me. He he seems like he's just he's just really ready to make a fool out of himself. You know that he that he embraces it and is kind of a dork. And he also was he was he was really into the Riddick character and Chronicles of Riddick. You know the second one, pretty decent movie. Pretty decent movie. Right. So the other one you were talking about uh, the raccoon Rocket and. He, no, but he, did, it, he actually, did I miss anyone? You did, but I'll get to that in a second. So There's Rocket, like another dude. There is. Rocket Raccoon is a, a raccoon from a planet of talking animals, and he hates it when people call him Raccoon. Okay. He's, he's like, no, my name is Rocket. Okay. And I think he's kind of like a creep. It's such a weird character, but that's one of the things I love about this idea He's like a he's like a tiny thing with giant guns, and anyway, he's like extremely like angry and aggressive and violent. That's right. And Bradley Cooper is playing his voice. Uh, now, the other person that you're missing is Batista, playing Drax the Destroyer. Really, Batista? Yeah, he was the other guy. He's the giant muscly guy, and let's just say that Batista was like like when he's. He was basically saying, like, oh, I can't believe I get to be in a Marvel movie. Like, he was pretty That's pretty sweet, pretty yeah. I mean, yeah, you know. And I don't know. That that just seems pretty exciting to me. Oh, so so here, here's the question. Are they going to – do you think they're going to tie it in with the other stuff going on, like Avengers stuff? Well, here's my feeling. I feel like, from what I can tell, is that it's going to be a standalone movie like a lot of these other ones. Except it's all – like – I feel like it's going to be closer to like Iron Man or Thor, or Captain America. Really, it, it, it'll be there'll be connections, but it won't be explicitly tied in. Like, no, I know, but that's what I meant. That's what right. I meant. Because it's it, going to be, it's going to be it tied has in nothing like to do with like, age, like Shield and the Avengers, right? Like that's right. not what the story is about. I feel like this is more like a setup for Avengers three. 
Like this is like a, this is like a long. That's what I'm saying. So that's what I'm saying. So so so, so that's a yes. And because because um because you know Loki was in the most recent Thor. Like that 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 continued on the story. So. Yes. Yeah. Right. But you know this doesn't have a direct connection, at least as far as we know. But we have to assume yes, that but, something. But it, but it has a connection. Uh-huh. Germany's got a connection, like, uh, like it, it, if it's got a connection, like Captain America, then it is part of it because they're 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 prepping it. What I meant is, is there? I meant like there's a difference between them like making it, like making the movie part, like sort of part of the whole large big picture of the Avengers story, or if they're just going to reference a couple things. You know what I mean? Like they could easily do something where they just reference a couple things about the event about the Avengers, but it's nothing to do with it. That's what I'm saying. Right, so I feel like they're not gonna we're not gonna have the Avengers at all, but there's probably gonna be some you know space stuff set up that's gonna have to do with one of the the Avengers later on. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe some stuff with like Thanos, for example. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you know, that. like really, unless you really know the comics, nobody knows what Thanos is. Right. Other than he's like some purple guy at the end of the first Avengers movie. Right. Um. When when does this come out? By the way. It. Let's see. The movie. Comes out in August first. So we have a little bit of time. Yeah. So this, I want to, like, it's interesting. There's some other people who are in this. Uh, there, for example, Jimon Hansu. Yeah, he's awesome. Uh, and okay. Karen Karen Gillan, who is uh, well known from her Doctor Who days, and of course we, as we saw in the trailer, John C. Riley mm-hmm. is going to be in it. He's also awesome. And you saw the little... what a great actor! What a yeah. great actor! <laughs> and Ben, did you see per, uh, Peter Serafinovich in the background there? Oh uh, no, I didn't. He <laughs> he's the guy who said, "What a bunch of a holes." <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, Peter Serafinovich is, is awesome. <laughs> he, is, he he's such an underrated, such an underrated performer. He, he's he's really funny, but but of course. He, Benicio del Toro is the collector that we saw at the end of Thor. Uh, also an awesome actor. And and Daniel, Daniel Day Lewis just makes a cameo as Lincoln and Daniel Plainview at the same time. <laughs> I assume so. <laughs> I'm an oiled man and I hate slavery. <laughs> so uh, the director James Gunn said about del Toro's performance, he's like an outer space Liberace. Benicio del Toro is one of these people. Benicio del Toro is one of these people who is actually like. Like he is a completely like he's one of those chameleon sort sort of you know he's up there with with you know Gary Oldman and um and uh, Daniel Day Lewis and um, who else am I thinking of? You could say maybe De Niro at his best, um but but oh Justin Hoffman like um Benicio del Toro isn't always considered that but you know if you hear actors like established actors talk uh, talk about him and people like who are like really into like acting like acting nerds. Benicio del Toro's up there, and it's not surprising he can always give a fantastic performance. You know, I, he's actually someone I'm not sure I've ever seen him give a bad performance. So, hmm. yeah. he was he was pretty crappy in uh, Snatch. Oh fuck you! <laughs> fuck you! <laughs> you make me so angry. <laughs> he was no, happy. He had such a beautiful, the worst portrayal of an allegedly Jewish person I've ever What's seen. Oh my god! What are you What's he supposed to be? <laughs> He's like, hey, <laughs> <laughs> amazing. Do you know why they call him Frankie Four Fingers? <laughs> it's not because it's because when he doesn't pay his debts, they give him the top, and I don't mean his foreskin. <laughs> 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 uh-huh. 
Speaking of, of, of actors who've died, <laughs> are we going to go to that oh, right now? Yeah. All right, so yeah. let's move on to our final news story, which is sort of sad news mm-hmm. that just came out today that the uh, the sort of the legendary comedian Harold Ramis just passed away. And this is a guy who basically co-wrote Ghostbusters and... Uh, I guess Ghostbusters too. Did he direct s- Ghostbusters? No, no, he didn't. But, but he's a huge thing in the but comedy was, world. Well, he did direct Groundhog Day. He, he, that's what it was. He directed Groundhog Day, which he also co-wrote. And listen, he—I wouldn't call—I wouldn't say that he has a perfect record. I mean, let me tell you some of the stuff he's done. He also did as good as it gets. Really? Okay. And which I don't care for, but that's. It's well, a decent I, movie, though. I just yeah, don't it's, like it's, it's not an example of shittiness. No. It's just, uh, and it's just Jack. <laughs> go ahead, go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> so he he did analyze this. Oh, that was good. Yeah, and the thing is, he he hasn't really directed that much. He also did Bedazzled, which was that uh, Jennifer Hurley movie where she plays oh, the devil. Elizabeth Hurley with uh, Brendan Fraser. Yeah, another actor who almost never does anything that's like a good movie, but he's actually a really good actor. Who? <laughs> unfortunately, yeah. the last movie he directed was a not good movie called Year One, which is sort of like it's sort of a shame in a sense. On the other hand, consider you know he did Groundhog Day, and that's already enough to be. In and that. he did, didn't he do uh, Animal House? <laughs> well. Like I'm pretty sure he did. He's 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 that's no. the thing. He's like a he's he's a very he's a significant figure in the in the comedy movie world because he was one of the head people in the National Lampoon. Um, that is true, guys. and he and he was involved with SCTV, the the Canadian thing, and you know he always he said he always planned to make a third Ghostbusters film, you know, and it's one of those like you know things that was always getting pushed off. He was always a great part of the first Ghostbuster movies, you know, the sort of deadpan, nerdy kind of guy. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, he always did such a, he had a great performance there. You know, I remember he was in, he had a small little role in uh, Knocked Up, well, where he I mean, played the Seth Rogen's dad. In Especially, like, yeah. in Ghostbusters, you're playing opposite, like, Bill Murray and Dan Aykroyd. Like, mm-hmm. you yes. know, that's... The it's it's easy to get outshined in front of those two guys, but he he just like stayed right there with them, which yeah. is which is definitely impressive. Now he's 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 legit. Rest in peace, my friend. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I definitely my favorite stuff of his is certainly Groundhog Day, which is one of my favorite movies of all time. And yeah. oh, it's a great movie. Great movie. You know, I just you know I just rewatched it recently. You know, and it's funny. I actually didn't like Groundhog Day. <laughs> we don't say that around Jeremy. I mean, it's it's fine if you love it. That's fine. I just I didn't like it that much. I think that I uh, there was like a secret message that had something like destroy Sam, destroy There's, Sam, something like really that. Sam, Sam, the Too punishment. Chris Elliott, <laughs> and and really, I just didn't care that much for Annie McDowell either. Oh, she was great. 
So pretty much it was like, just like, if you like Bill Murray, then fine. But like all the other stuff in the movie, I didn't like. How could you not? So Sam, your punishment for not liking the movie is that you have to go through the whole Groundhog Day thing until you find like. I have to watch the movie over and over again. (laughs) You become Bill Murray. Every day. Which actually would be awesome in the. Actually, becoming Bill Murray would be amazing. Bill Murray has a great life. Yeah, he just like shows up. Like, what's his thing? He just like shows. I see him as this. He just shows up at random stuff, like random parties, and just like parties with people. Yeah, he just randomly like shows up, and he's like, "Hey, I'm Bill Murray," you know, and like, and like, you know, takes you out like partying, and and then like his his famous line is like, "No one will ever believe this." Well, that's, like, that's, what he says that's a bit of an urban legend. That's like that's but, become like a meme thing. Yeah, but well, now it has. But I believe that he actually said it to people. Maybe once. So, all right, let's let's wrap it up. I want to talk about our our next assignments. Mm-hmm. So, Sam, you need to see the Lego Movie. Yes. Okay. okay. Definitely. And I think that I will make and it I, to watch Lego Movie. We need to see Knights of Badassdom. Yes. And you said it's available on demand, right? Uh, it is. Yes. All right, so I'll have to watch that, and then we can discuss those it's, things. It's, hey, wait, wait! It's the Knights of Badassdom is a is a TV thing. No, it's a movie. It, that's the one it's with on Summer Brow, Peter Dinklage. You said it's on demand. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it was already. It was from last year. No, it was just released. It was supposed to come out last year, but they kept they kept getting pushed off. Do you, you understand my question? Well, if it's on demand, that implies that you watch it on the television, right? Or your computer. Or your computer. So it came out as what is it like a Netflix it, thing? Is that it, what it is? I guess it didn't. Did it not come out in theaters? I'm not really sure what happened. Well, there's supposed to be like a limited run. That's happening at some okay, point. So it's so you know you can watch like on Amazon or something like that, right? Yeah. yeah. Can you watch Ghostbusters on Amazon, by the way? Uh, Haven't able to find Ghostbusters anywhere. <laughs> it's not on Netflix. Well, uh, no, I, I could check. I don't know who I'm going to call though to find out. Yeah. Um, No, it is available. I just checked. Netflix has it available to stream. Okay. All right. Fine. So so I'm going to watch like a movie. You guys are going to watch Knights of Badass. What else? Do we have any other assignments? Yeah. And also, we're going to watch Game of Thrones. Game of Thrones is going to be awesome. And Valar Morgalus. Game of Thrones isn't coming out for like two more months. It's always coming out, Sam. I mean, I know. two more months. Winter. Valar Winter is coming, even when it's like winter now. Like winter is coming. Winter's not coming either. So you assholes have been getting real winter. We've just been getting a drought in California. <laughs> We're just gonna suck pretty soon. But you know, whatever. Climate change, shmima change, Bill Nye, Bill Shmai, whatever. Right. So. Right. <laughs> um. Okay. Cool. All right, guys. Are you uh, ready to wrap things up? Yep. All right. Nerd you later. Nerd you later. Nerd you later.